Hello everyone, this is Heidi Trost. I'm the host of Human Centered Security. And on today's episode, I have with me Brian Murphy. Brian is a security specialist at Gray Castle Security. He is a technology, information security, and risk management professional. He assists with the development and implementation of cybersecurity solutions for a variety of industries. And one of the things that drew me to Brian was the way that he talks about security. He uses storytelling, analogies, and that is one of the key reasons that I wanted to have him on the show. Okay, so Brian, first question, tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us a little bit about Graycastle. Sure. So a little bit about me is I have about 15 plus years in security, but I come from all different kinds of environments. I've worked in manufacturing, in finance, in um, I've now had experience in some higher education. And, and really, it was kind of interesting. I stumbled into it. I started out in accounting, um, in business, and I just kept gravitating towards information technology and then ultimately information security. Uh, it's been an interesting journey. Um, just And I picked up a lot of world experiences all the way around. And I work for a company that is really, um, in my, my view, is pretty amazing. We take a, a pretty uh, straightforward view at, at this concept of compliance and security and, and really just doing what we do. And, and what we try and do is we try and build relationships to help organizations solve their problems? How can we make information security better? How can we do better at this? How can we become uh, compliant in, in this particular thing? Let me, if it's credit cards, the PCI compliance or uh, Gramm-Leach-Biley or um, GDPR or all of these various compliances that we have to deal with. And so what we do is we walk alongside you and help you get there in kind of a straightforward way. Well, so, you know, this show is called Human Centered Security, which means we place a lot of emphasis on people and understanding people, empathizing with people. So from your perspective, what's important for security professionals or even people building security products to keep in mind about people or to keep in mind about human psychology? Well, yeah. So at Great Castle, one of the biggest things that we talk about is that it's people, process, and technology. So and our focus is really heavily centered on the people and the process point. We will help with the technology. We can do that. But we don't sell any technology. We don't sell, you know, the blinking boxes or that. We're really, how do I work with the groups of people that we have today? And in terms of developers and, and development of this, we've got to remember kind of who's your audience, that we need to have that security built in. And I think about... Um, the internet of things, all of these wonderful smart devices that we have going on. And they're, they are really cool stuff. I mean, you've got vacuum cleaners that you kind of set your vacuum cleaner, go off and you go to work and you come home and your house is supposed to be clean. Or you know, you've got cameras and, and doorbells that connect now to your phone. And the technology that we have is great. The issue that I have is most of that is designed without security. So we're addressing one side of the human aspect of making it easier to live our lives, but we're totally ignoring this whole other segment of does it help us with our security? And and we need to build that in. So it, it's kind of this mixed conundrum for me. Right. You know? And then yeah. there are the issues with uh, with updates and, you know, the yeah. manufacturers not pushing out updates or maybe the 
customer doesn't know to update it, you know, maybe yeah, it's not automatic, you know, there's and that's pretty serious thing. Actually, California came out with a law a few years ago that actually said, if you're going to make internet of things, these smart devices, you have to have the ability to change your username and password. So instead of it just being admin, admin, you have to have that ability. I'm, I'm hoping that the, the uh, president Trump just signed in a new internet of, things, uh, law and some, and some regulations around it. I'm hoping that that's going to give us some bite, but yeah, that's just one more device. So not only do I have to compete, you know, you mentioned the updates, I got to update my, my laptop and my phone has to get updates or now my router, I have to get firm up, you know, firmware updates to make sure my router is, but I got to do that on my washing machine or my, you know, my Xbox, all of these other things. It's like, we're becoming, um, professional, you know, patch prevented people because there's always an update coming in from someplace else. And it's, it's, you know, it's getting very hard to manage, you know, all of the different devices and the different options. And and hear me, I'm not against the technology. I think the technology is awesome. It, it does some really cool things. It just is, I think we're introducing this and um, without ever looking at what is that risk or what is the ramifications if I bring this device into my network or if I put this device in, in, you know, on my wireless network in my house, what does that really mean? I get all these great features, but it opens up so many more holes. So I, I think that we're not making those decisions well. And it just, I think we have to stop and think a little bit every once in a while. Well, it- it's I think of two things when you tell about tell this uh, talk about IoT devices. You know, one is the the idea that we're play, placing an unrealistic security burden on the end user. In one sense, you know, someone bring, and I've written about this that people bring IoT devices home. You know, they unwrap it, they you know plug it in, and they connect it to their router, and they're they just you know go and play with the device like it's a new fun toy that they have just unpacked. They don't they don't think about security like that's the last thing that people are thinking about. But the second thing I was thinking about is that the idea and I think we've talked about this before is like we have to be constantly doing risk assessments, whether it's at, at, at the organization or it's at home. So I wonder if you can talk a little bit more about that, about the idea that like, you know, even at home, we're doing these security risk assessments. Well, we, we should be. Okay, and in many ways, we are doing a risk assessment all the time. It's just we're not applying it in the area. So you're talking talking about the story. And, yeah, it's a shiny new toy. I want to get this thing out and I want to play with it. I want, you know, my my speaker, I want to have it connected so I can play music on it or get through the rest of my day. Or I want to test out what it can do. And we don't think about that risk assessment. But yet you're you're 100 percent correct. We do risk assessments all day long. So I live in the Northeast. I live in the world of snow. Okay. We, we just had a major snowstorm this last week. I, my area avoided most of it, but other parts of, of Southern tier of New York got blasted with 40 inches of snow, huge amounts. Well, think about if I know snow is coming, I'm doing a risk assessment. What's that going to mean to my morning commute? Can I wait an extra five minutes? And we don't even play it out like, oh, this is, you know, what is the actual risk of this? We're just sitting here thinking, can I go another five minutes before I have to leave the house? Or, you know, because it's going to be bad weather today, I need to plan ahead and leave the house, you know, 20 minutes earlier, a half hour early. 
That's a risk assessment. The risk is, is not getting to your location, to your job, where you're headed on time or within the, the, the space that you wanted to. So what do you do? You adjust for that. You do the same things, you know, in, in terms of security. We leave the house. We lock our house. Okay. We get to where we're going. We lock our car. And you're like, yeah, that that's kind of there. We always do that. Well, that's not. Okay. I grew up and I'm old enough. I grew up in, in the early to mid eighties and, and where I grew up was very, very rural. That was very unheard of. Okay. I actually, when I moved to where I live today, I actually had to learn to lock my house when I leave the house every day, or I had to learn to lock my car as I got out and walked into the store. That was, it was not something that was just inherent. Now my kids think it's inherent, but that's a learned activity. And why? Because I don't want my items me and my car, my house to get broken into. I lock the door. That's a security thing. Take it back to the IoT devices. And these are really cool tools. But what I got to stop and think about is what does this do to my environment? Okay. And and it's it's no different than, you know, bringing in, let me say, a pet or a dog. If I bring in a dog in a house, I've stopped and I've thought about what am I doing? You know, am I going to be around enough while the dog's training? What's the dog going to be like with my kids? All of this. And I've, I've had that more conscious thought. What we need to do with those smart devices is just say stop and say, okay, what this is doing is this is going to send a signal back out to the Internet. That's a hole. Is that worth what I'm going to gain out of it? Okay. Is that activity worth it? It's a simple risk assessment. If, it, if the activity is risky, okay, I'm going to walk away from my house and leave the door open. That's a risky activity. It's, it's a great metaphor. It's a great analogy. And my question is, in doing security awareness, how do we shift that behavior? So, you know, you talked about the shift in behavior from not locking your door, not locking your car to being in a new environment and learning that that was necessary. How do we, how do we jumpstart people? How do we shift that behavior? So I I think that, and that's a hard thing. And that's, first, let me say, it doesn't happen just overnight. That's a hard concept. And what we need to do, and as we lead through our, our security awareness things, the first thing is, is without getting into what I'm going to call FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt, we have to lay out the consequences. So we've got to start people pointing them in that direction of the risk. And we can use, for me, I use stories. I use a lot of analogies. I've already started to use some analogies here, but I use stories. So I could talk to you and you get going into a store and leaving your car unlocked. And you're like, that is just way too risky or, you know, leaving your house and not doing it. Okay. So now I've got that picture in your mind. Let's come back and let's talk about what about when you get up and you leave your workstation and you leave it open? Well, there's no no problem with that. Wait a second here. You're working with stuff that you're supposed to be working on. And the guy who sits next to you, He's not really working on that. So you've got some confidentiality there, some things that they don't need to see. You need to lock your workstation. And and all of a sudden you start to, you know, through the use of, for me, it's the use of analogies and personal stories. I'm starting to take that same action that we did, lock your house or lock your car, lock your workstation. Okay. 
and I'm translating something that you know into this kind of um, newer territory. Then you start working on, you know, I want to correct that behavior. I want you to lock your workstation as you get up and leave. Or maybe it's it's recognizing a phishing email. And again, you use this, a very similar analogy. For me, okay, I'm going to travel. You know, this time I'm, I'm changing gears. I'm going to travel to a place I've never been before. Maybe it's, it's to a city or a location that I do. What do we do? We consciously work through, okay, how am I going to protect my wallet? What am I going to, you know, the things that I'm carrying, am I going to put my phone in my front pocket versus my back pocket? So all of these activities that we're walking through, take that same mentality, but you got to create a picture. Create that picture with, with people and, and change that now to now I'm sitting at my desk and I'm getting hundreds of emails a day. I've got to really take that same steps, stop, think about what I'm doing, look at the email. Is this somebody I know it's from? Is it somebody it's not? What's the language here? It, it, you kind of start to morph that, that um, behavior. So I'm taking something that I know and applying it to this new. That works for me. That's how I start to work it. The other side of that, though, is you got to create a culture. And, and that's, I think, one of the things that we were going to talk a little bit about today as we were kind of planning this is, is creating that culture within your organization. I may respond every time and, and have this security mindset or whatever. And if I go and, and it's what's in the first step, I've, I've recognized I've had an issue. So the next step is go tell somebody. Okay. Well, who do I tell? Do I tell a help desk? Do I click the refishing button? What do I do? Well, if I call a help desk and they say, yes, so you've lost. <laughs> I'm never going to do another reporting again. Okay. Absolutely. So what are your me. recommendations for organizations? Because I definitely have to see this disconnect too in the research that I've done. It seemed, and especially working from home, that there, there seems to be this like dividing line between the IT department and everyone else. And, and I see that it's, it's really, I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah. I think it's really troubling that they're, you know, it, it's like they're from two separate organizations. It is absolutely that way. And I mean, how many times have we had an organization that we referred to it as the no help help desk? <laughs> okay. It, you're not going to get any help. So what do we got to do? And, and that's where that cultural comes in. We've got to say if, if, if security is going to be a priority in our organization, it, it, it goes to everybody and that help desk, they need to have the same processes and they need to be coached in how they're responding. Okay, thank you for submitting that ticket. We're going to look into it and take action and then sometimes provide the feedback. You know what? This particular email, it was phishing. Thank you because now we're protecting the organization. Or, you know, this one wasn't phishing and here's, here's a couple things. And that's one of the things that – Graycastle at least talks through and, and, and we, we've stressed pretty heavily is I, and we see this IT is, you know, they're in different organizations. And one of the things we talk about is well, what's some of your IT goals as you do these IT goals, how do they line up to the business? You know, your IT goals, your goals around security should go back and directly align to the business goals. Whatever that business is, if it's if it's a college, I want to increase student enrollment and I want to do that. Okay, so how can IT help you with that? And and you get to start again. It's a mind shift. It's a change 
in how we work these that, okay, we're here to enable the business to meet their goals. Okay, that's the primary job of IT, meet their business goals. So how do we do that? And if it's a security, if I want to protect, you know, colleges, I want to protect the student data because if it gets out, it's bad. So you, you work with that and you got to start changing that mold so that they can work together because the help desk is there to provide assistance to the people. And we got to get the people calling. So it's a two way street. It, it, it's not easily done, but it, we a lot of times it has to be driven from the top and it comes down and said, this is kind of the direction or where we're going to go. And it, it's time. It, it, it's it's a snowball effect. It starts really slow, very small. And then over time, it can build. So it takes on almost its own life. Going back to the original thing that you were talking about, about tying it back to the mission. One of the things I thought I was thinking about, and I was looking in my notes, and I can't find the exact example, but it was something along the lines of if you really want employees to, you know, change their behavior and do something, you know, you have you have to tie it back to the mission, like give them a purpose for why they're performing these things. And one of the examples was it was a zoo. I don't know if it was the San Diego Zoo or something else. I'll try, I'll put it in the show notes. Um, but they they wanted their employees to upsell uh, you know, at the counter. So as someone was checking out, they wanted them, you know, to upsell certain items and they weren't doing it. The behavior wasn't changing. And, but what they did was after that, they tied it back to their mission. If you sell these extra items, we're saving these animals. We're able to, you know, invest Mm -hmm. in these initiatives that, you know, are going to help the animals, you know, in this zoo. And, and that was kind of the key thing to get them to change the behaviors because now they knew why they were doing this upsell. So I wonder if it's kind of the same thing and really getting your organization to align with a certain mission, whether you're in education, you talked about student enrollment, you know, thinking about the students data and, you know, doing what's best for your students or even like in a healthcare setting. I've thought about that too. We prevented something from happening. And this could have affected the people who we care most about, our patients, our students, you know, the animals that we're saving, whatever it is. Right. Um, like I said, tying it back to the mission. So with a with our last few minutes here, I wanted to give you a chance to talk to about some of the cybersecurity trends or data. I thought it would be really interesting to break down some of that data, um, you know, as it relates to humans, as it relates to human psychology. Sure. So a couple of things that we're still seeing, um, the Verizon Data Breach Report, I read through that every year it comes out. I, I, I get really nerdy and I wait for it and I keep searching and searching. That has a couple of statistics, you know, 80% of all hacking starts with a stolen credential. It means I've, I've already fished you and you've given me your, your passwords or brute force, okay, where I get a hold of that salted password hash file and try and crack your passwords. 80% of all hacks involves stolen credentials or that. So what does that mean? Well, how does that work? And how do we take that back to the the thing? Well, I'm so much of a nerd that I'm out there currently searching for the top bad passwords of the year. Do you know what it is? It's one, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, dear. And, and I'm like, come on, people. We've been through this. We've done this. Why are we doing, you know, still so bad? I think I love you was number 25 or something this year. And, and you know, it just is amazing 
that we consistently set these bad passwords. Um, we'll cross into the new year. It's going to be reorg time. Hey, go check out this document for a reorg. Why? Because we know that businesses will do a reorg in January. We've all lived through this. Come March and April, it's going to be about taxes. Okay, we'll we'll slip back in. And COVID, COVID is just the gift that keeps on giving because every time we peak or we kind of come back down again, check out the latest news on the COVID vaccines. Or you know what? There's another spike in things. Click on this link and track the heat map in your area. Criminals know this, and they're using that cyclical types of events to 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 hit you with those emails and get you to click on it. And and it's just so we've got the you know I'm using the same password. I have to be careful, and then they're going to hit me with these different messages based on what's going on in the world today. What's the calendar look like? What's the weather? You name it, it's going to be out there. It's always the same. Well, thank you so much for your time, Brian. I really appreciate it. And I enjoyed our conversation. If people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, I'm a, uh, a, through graycastle.com or I'm on LinkedIn. A um, couple of things. The LinkedIn, the big thing you got to do is just figure out which Brian Murphy. So if you do Graycastle <laughs> and Brian Murphy, you'll get to me. Um, those are the two of the easiest ways to get to me. Wonderful. Thanks again, Brian. I really appreciate it. Thank you.